good morning because it technically is the morning. I believe it's 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 around twelve oh three right now. Welcome to a very special edition of the Kyle and Kasanoff show, a late night edition of the show. For those of you who've listened to us before, you know that we're usually in that late morning eleven a.m. slot on Saturdays. Uh, due to some unforeseen circumstances this weekend, we chose to to take this slot instead because sports never stop, and neither do we. But Kyle, there's actually some great news which is that we're recording. So if you miss the show because you're asleep at midnight, you can catch it in podcast form in just a couple of days. And on next week's show, we'll be sure to tell you all the details about how you can subscribe, how you can stay up to date uh, with what's going on on the show. Of course. And, and I mean, I, what better time to, to do it? Because, I mean, it's so busy out there today. I mean, I know you're excited. It's day two of the NHL postseason. And I, I'm sure you just want to get right into it right now. Yeah, of course. I mean... What better place to start than potentially with your Boston Bruins? Of course. They had a huge win tonight uh, over the Toronto Maple Leafs, 5-1. Though it, it has to be said that the the Bruins, they scored the most goals, but they were not the dominant team you know, necessarily for the entire game. Like, the Toronto definitely had a good half hour, at least half the game, where, where they were really pushing the place, they were dictating the pace of play, uh, and they came about as close to scoring as you could. Mitch Marner actually, on an open cage, you know, just passed it, across the crease you know which right if that goes in at that point in the game it's a it's a whole different game right i mean i mean the Bruins are definitely playing with fire there in the middle but they were able to finally pull away at the end and get a resounding five to one victory i know at the beginning of the game we had our beloved renee rencourt he was really fired up it's his last postseason well, he was I, ready to go i actually want to talk to you about renee rencourt which is that you know he's famous for his fist pumps and uh I think my favorite thing about about Rene Rancor is, is I watched a game tonight, and basically, you know, he he walks out there and he's looking around all confused. He got his hands up. He's like, he's like, what? Like, how did I get out here? Right. And then, you know, he's he's like, well, I'm out here, so I guess I'll sing the national anthem. Right. And he's like, well, I sung the national anthem, so I might as well get the crowd hyped. And he did what I would describe as an indiscernible number of fist pumps. It it might have been in the hundreds. He he. I mean, like, if every fist pump, if you had a nickel for every one of his fist pumps, you'd be a, a a wealthy man for sure. I'd say for sure you'd be living in Newton or a place like that. Perhaps. Moving on, though, uh, there's other games tonight. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets beat the, a, a beat the Washington one. Capitals 4-3 yeah. in overtime. I was definitely not expecting that in game one there on the road. I believe it, w- I believe it was in Washington, wasn't it? Yes. Um, either way, I mean, I think I think Washington can pull out this series. I think that this is the Caps year. I mean, okay, I mean, okay, okay. I mean, okay. on the other side of that bracket, I mean, I mean, you have Tampa, you have Boston, you have Pittsburgh, obviously, the defending champs. But I, I still think that this is the Caps' year. A game one, a game one you know, hiccup isn't going to hurt them. This is not the Caps' year. Let me be the first to say. Another year might be the Caps' year. But if we're being honest, I'm not sure if there's a year that will ever be the Caps' year. <laughs> uh, I mean, just, like, just objectively speaking. Not in their current state, at least. That's for sure. Uh, the the Caps, though, you know, they played a good game, but Columbus has got the battle, and the big thing they have, which they never had before, are Temi Panarin. He's a game-breaker. He scored the game-winning goal in overtime. He had the assist on the game-tying goal for Seth Jones with just a few minutes left to play in the third. Artemi Panarin, he's a game-breaker. He's what Columbus needed, and he's the player who's going to power them into the second round of the NHL you, playoffs. Now, do you think that this is the year that Sergei Bobrovsky, obviously the goalkeeper for the Blue Jackets. You think this is the year that he sheds his his playoff nightmares? You know, I mean, he he really hasn't had the best career in terms of the postseason. I do actually think that he's got you know a lot of promise, uh, you know, a lot of good things going for him this year, and it, it goes back honestly in my mind to Artemi Panarin, which is that in previous years, 
Bobrovsky would look in front of him and he would see not that much going on. But this year, you know, when you see your team uh, coming back late, you're more inspired. You you know, you're, you want to make that extra save, you know, not that he didn't want to per se, but there's just something different in your mind that's happening. But I, I, I do want to move on. Nashville uh, is just about to win their game tonight. They're up 5-3 with just a minute left in the third. So Sorry, 5-2. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and call that one for the Predators. Uh, it was my pick for the most you know, exciting playoff series to watch. I thought that I wasn't convinced. I was not convinced at all. You know, but watching the game tonight, it was fast. It was, you know, it was fast paced. It was fun. You know, the Avs went up 1-0. The Preds tied. The Avs went up 2-1. And now obviously the I, I, I suspected that the Predators would win and that, you know, the games might end this way. But for sure, you know, two and a half great periods of hockey that we got to see tonight. Of course. I mean, I, I think Philip Forsberg, he really dominated out there. He had seven shots on goal. I mean, elsewhere, I mean... Ryan Johansson had he had two assists. Yeah. Uh, Yossi also had two assists. I mean, it was a great all-around game for the Predators. I just don't think that. I mean, for the Avalanche, I mean, they have Nathan McKinnon. I mean, I just don't think that he can carry them past the powerhouse that is the the Nashville Predators right now. I just don't think that they can make it. Yeah, I mean, I I would have to agree with you. Uh, you know, obviously. You know the, pre- the the Avalanche do have some good players. They have Nathan McKinnon. They have Miko Randon. They have Gamble and Scott. They have a few others, but but they're not enough. Uh, and elsewhere, even again, we've got Winnipeg, Minnesota. Uh, that game was played on Wednesday. And Winnipeg won three two. It was a closer game than I thought it would be. It was a closer. I game. saw. I really. I saw Winnipeg walking all over the Wild in this series, but I, I was surprised the Wild did put up a fight. You know the, what we have here is a classic situation of uh, you know experience, but not good experience because the Wild have never been good in the playoffs versus no experience and high expectations. And right now, high expectations is winning. Uh, and obvi- honestly, you know, I'm going to side with the favorites here, you know, the money makers and whatever, and I'm going to say it's Winnipeg all the way right. uh, and hammer that. Uh, just a few more series to get around to. Tampa did win tonight in New Jersey. Not a big surprise, you know. We pretty much we pretty much assume that Taylor Hall did get his first NHL playoff goal, and he got an assist on the second goal that New Jersey scored. Turns out he's a great hockey player. It's we the, all knew that. It's the Taylor Hall show for sure. <laughs> but his team still lost. Pittsburgh, we got to talk about them. They won seven zero. Incredible against their cross state rival Sidney Crosby had a hat trick. Now, did you see Crosby's goal where he batted the puck out of midair? That was wild. I mean, I saw him do that in the regular season. I mean, it has to be considered one of the best goals of the year, but this one might take the cake. I mean, that was unbelievable. So here's my question. Could Sidney Crosby play Major League Baseball with his hand-eye coordination? I'd have to say yes. I I would say yes. I I think he is too good of an athlete not to be good at baseball as well. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, in the spring, you know, they'll get him out to a Pirates batting practice and he'll just go yard. Right, exactly. I I would be willing to bet. Uh, Lastly, though, we we can't forget about... Vegas and Los Angeles. You know, this was this is the classic uh, experience versus inexperience. But one as thing, inexperienced as you can possibly get. Well, you see, that's interesting. This Vegas Golden Knights team is like significantly more experienced than Winnipeg because they're, you know, they're not a young team, so to speak. They're right. just new to each other. But after the season they've had. They're not really new to each other anymore, you know. Like right. the best thing you can do for a new team is start winning. Exactly. That's gonna that's gonna break a lot of barriers. That's gonna you know put a lot of people on the right on the right path. Winning is really like the be all end all. If you win, you win, and that that's what you want. Uh, and then you know the last series, which the game is barely halfway into it. Uh, sorry, it's actually near the end of the second period. Is the Sharks are up three zero over the Ducks? Right. What are your thoughts on I, you know who's going to take know, this series? It's the, it's the all California series. It, it's those late West Coast games that no one <laughs> the on the East Coast is paying. No one's really paying attention. 
to it out here. But I'm a huge fan of both teams. I, I love the way they play. I'm pulling for the Ducks in this series. I mean, they've come close in recent seasons. This may be the year that they can get over the hump and get past Nashville and get past um, you know Vegas. But I, I don't know. I think, I think it's going to be a close series. Um, but we'll see what happens, obviously. Yeah, I'd have to say, uh, you know, I am not the biggest Ducks fan. I think they've had their chances and they've squandered them. They have. Uh, but the Sharks have too. But, I, you know, I just think that especially with the addition of Evander Kane at the trade deadline, uh, with the addition of Evander Kane at the trade deadline, that is basically going to be the nail in the coffin for the Ducks in my mind. That's probably going to put the San Jose Sharks over the edge. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're going to start with the obvious biggest story out of Major League Baseball, and it's that Yankees-Red Sox is all the way back. They are all the way back. They have been too quiet for 12 years now. 12 years. Really, I mean, this rivalry seemed to have shut down, really, I, I would say, back in two, all the way back in 2006. And, I mean, honestly, since then, I mean, as a diehard Red Sox fan, I mean, it, se- it seems to me that, you know, Tampa and Baltimore have really been bigger rivals of the Red Sox since then. It's just, and the Yankees have, it's just like, I mean, the issue really has been that the Red Sox and the Yankees have just kind of been good at different times. What what I have to say here, though, is just the thing that, like, when you say, like, Tampa or the Orioles, like, are are a rival of the Red Sox, I'm not really a real baseball fan. Everyone knows that about me. Okay. And, uh, you know, obviously listeners will know that if they've ever heard our show before, or they'll know soon. But, you know... If you try to tell me that Red Sox that the Red Sox have a rivalry rivalry with Tampa, like I'm just gonna laugh. That doesn't I mean, sound right. That's I not mean, baseball. A lot of people forget that it, it wasn't too long ago that Tampa was the king of the division. I mean, I mean they had a couple straight 90, 90 win seasons. They had Joe Madden, one of the best managers in baseball, at the helm. They had a great pitching staff. They had a real moneyball roster anchored by Evan Longoria in the middle. I mean, this team has had some success, culminating obviously in that 2008 World Series appearance. But I, I don't know. I, the the problem for me is just that like we want Red Sox Yankees. You know, we want the we want the marquee matchup. We want the matchup that your grandfather knew and your father knew and your great grandfather knew because they were playing in the 1880s. You know, right? I mean, we I, want that. I mean, like I think like and when we talk about how it's all the way back, I mean, you know, th- this year, I mean, you have. This really exciting new Yankees team. I mean, and they have Stanton, who they acquired um, through free agency. I'm sorry, it was a trade with the Marlins, obviously. Uh, it's more me. like Stan Badton. Good one. <laughs> uh, pretty clever. Uh, yeah, pretty clever there. Uh, but I mean, like, I mean, and and this team was so hyped because of the Yankees, because they were one win away from the World Series last year. Um, but I, I think like a lot of people just overlooked my beloved Red Sox this offseason. I mean. They were just way overshadowed by the Yankees in their in their flashy offseason moves. They themselves acquired their own slugger in J.D. Martinez late in March. But I think that this Red Sox team is better than the Yankees this year. I, I think that they are the better team. They're ten and two because of it, while the Yankees sit at six and seven. And I get that the first nine of those or, or eight of those wins came against the Florida teams, Tampa and Miami. Florida well, my, as really, mentioned does I'm not sorry. deserve baseball. I, I have to jump in here. Should wins against Miami this season even count? No. I think it should be like like an overtime win in hockey or yeah, something like that. Yeah, you, you get know? like one point. So like if you're half a game back, you get like a quarter instead of right. a full. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, that would seem fair. Right. I mean, and, and I mean, and just talking about this series, I mean, 
it's it's been a wild one for sure. I mean, the, I mean, in the first game, the Yankees were just embarrassed, fourteen to one. Everyone thought it was, it was going to be a pitching showdown between Severino and Sale. It really wasn't. It was it was a blowout. I mean, we had a grand slam. Uh, I believe it was Mookie Betts who had the grand slam to make it 14-1. The Red Sox, if you didn't know, did not have a single grand slam all of last season, and they've already had three in 12 games this season. I'm sorry, but you want to? that's the answer right there for why they weren't more successful last year. No grand slams, no World Series in my mind. I mean, that's definitely part of it. I think, I think the, their biggest weakness last year was the fact that they were last in the American League in home runs. I mean, they just had, they had no power. They couldn't score when they needed to. Um, but, I mean, I mean, back to this series, I mean, Matt, we had a, a a fight that really brought back, you know, images of of Pedro versus Zimmer, of A Rod versus Veritek, of Carlson Fisk in the seventies. I mean, what do you think about this? I have to say that I'm a huge fan. You know, as a diehard hockey fan who has always believed that fighting hockey, has a place hockey in really sports, gets it right in terms of fighting. I mean, I, I believe that 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 fighting has a place in sports, uh, and you love to see it. Like, you know, if you if you're trying to draw fans to the game. Yeah, I want to see twenty guys like throwing haymakers in center field. Right. If you, Rob Manfred, if you want butts in the seats, you know, let them go out there on the mound and, and go toe to toe for thirty seconds. You know, I mean, th- that'll definitely boost attendance. Okay, so my idea for how we make baseball better is just make it boxing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a- adding a little element there. But like maybe maybe a little penalty to, box off to the side. Here's my idea, which is that like maybe it's not just boxing, but in order to. Uh, like get the win. Like after you've knocked your opponent out, you have to you have three pitches to hit a home run, and if you don't okay. score the so home it's run, boxing mix meets home run derby. Yeah, almost. Okay. That would be a better baseball. That would be entertaining for sure. I mean, I mean, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how I feel. I just feel like the Red Sox. Like obviously, like I I was feeling some nationalism for my team when I saw <laughs> Tyler Austin. Who whoever that guy. I don't know who he is. He's some bum. Tyler Austin. Well, who does he think he is charging the mound against the Red Sox <laughs> at Fenway? And then, he, and then, um, Joe Kelly just completely sidesteps him. He lands a couple punches, and and then you got that monster Aaron Judge coming in, just moving the whole pile. Nobody getting his way. I mean, that is a scary dude if you get in his way. What what I really want to talk about is is the fact that like the it's kind of in my mind. How do you have the audacity to charge the mound away from home? It's one thing right. if you know you're you're, you're in Yankee Stadium and you charge the mound and you, and have, you have the, the support, crowd behind right. you. But in Boston, you know, with the performance that you know, with the scores the way it was and everything like that, you know, just to charge the mound and start a big fight, it's a headline grab for sure. But it's not, you know, it's it's not really what they want to be doing in that sense. You you know, you want to. You know, play with some right. Class. It's, it's definitely it's definitely not ideal. And it, I mean, Austin was suspended five games. I don't understand how Kelly can be suspended for six. I mean, I get that he that he hit him intentionally, but it was Austin that charged the mound. And I I think you I think usually the guy who runs out to the mound is is the is is like the worst infractor in in, in terms of I I, I don't know. I, in I just hockey, don't get there's it. actually an instigator penalty. Uh, I think. Well, the thing is. I, Austin didn't instigate it. I think I think Kelly did. Kelly like <laughs> literally he dropped his glove and he said, "Let's go. <laughs> Come on out. Let's go." So uh, that's that's a so pretty Kelly, telling sign. Kelly was asking for it for sure. Um, but I don't know. I I can't remember the last time I saw a pitcher who who got the mound charged on him suspended for as long as Kelly was. But uh, either way, I think the Red Sox will survive and I think, you know, tonight was another great win for them. Um, you know, you have Porcello going 6 no hit through a 45-minute rain delay. I didn't expect him to return for the sixth inning, but he did. Uh, and then you got, again, that monster Aaron Judge hitting a rocket into the triangle uh, with no outs in the seventh 
to break it up. But he still gets through seven, shot out with two hits. Um, a phenomenal uh, uh, performance by him. Um, I mean, I don't know. This pitching staff this season, it's, it's, it's looking really strong. It's really good. You know, but, you know, back to the suspensions, I'd say, you know, all's fair in love and war. That's a classic saying. And with that, we're going to take a look around the other top teams in Major League Baseball. We already mentioned that the Red Sox are, you know, top of their division. Then we've got L.A., 10-3. and 3. L.A., famous for choking in the playoffs. You might remember. Uh, choking in the playoffs, yes, but uh, also not even making the playoffs. They're, f- yeah, they're famous for just done being, that a few being times. bad. I mean, <laughs> having the best player in the world for the last half decade and not winning a playoff game, pretty remarkable. Especially when they won 98 games. Uh, I believe it was 2014. They won 98 games. They're the number one team, and they get swept by the wild card Kansas City Royals. Yeah. I, I just don't get it. Uh, I mean, it's definitely a, a bad situation. Elsewhere, you've got the Mets, who are 10-1. and oh, I love it. I love it. I love seeing the Mets win. I, I want the Mets to be good and the Yankees to be bad. Wait, so here's my question, though. If Red Sox-Yankees back and the Mets are now 10-1, and 1, is Mets-Yankees back, or did that not go anywhere? Uh, I don't think that went anywhere. We could have Mets-Red Sox, you know, part two in the World Series here. We, we could have yeah. we could have Yankees-Red Sox in the ALCS and then Red Sox-Mets in the, in the World Series. You know, a nice non-jet lag <laughs> couple of weeks for the Red Sox. A couple of bus trips and it's over. You it's know? also just a big East Coast bias. Be like, the West doesn't even exist. Who right. needs it? Exactly. Exactly. They can arrive home from work at 5 p.m. and just turn on the World Series and, and that'll be it. I mean, I, I, I mean, like, yeah, who needs, who needs the West Coast? Let's well, be honest. So we talked on an earlier show about the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, who are 9-3, and three, and I said, well, they're off to a good start. You know, they're like 4-1 and one or whatever. And you, you're like, yeah, I don't buy it. I, obviously not. But, I mean, but I, they're nine and three now. I think. I mean, again, we talk about the Red Sox having beat, you know, Tampa and Miami. I think nine of the first ten games for the Pirates were the Detroit Tigers and the Cincinnati Reds, <laughs> two teams just as bad as Tampa Bay and Miami. I mean, it, it, it's the same thing. And, and this is a Pittsburgh team that, in a crowded division this year, is not going to emerge. I don't think that that. I mean, like. They're not going to sustain this. I mean, once they get like into the dog days of summer, you really see who the dogs are and, and who the guys who, who really don't want to be there are. And I think Pittsburgh is that team. I mean, they sold off McCutcheon. They sold off Garrett Cole. Uh, this is it for them. I mean, I think they just need to accept that this is going to be a full-scale rebuild and just go from there. Well, well, the Pirates are actually one of the teams that was cited for unwillingness to pay players by the uh, MLB uh, right. Players Association. But moving on from them, the other team that's 9-3 and three is, uh, are, is Arizona. And you think that they yeah. can keep this up? I I do. You know, I mean, I mean, they showed it last year. They had a fantastic pitching staff that really came out of nowhere. Zach Greinke has been living up. I mean, as of last year, he was. I mean, I don't know that anyone can ever live up to the contract that he's under right now. But he he did pitch like a a twenty to twenty five million dollar man last season for sure. And you've got Robbie Ray, who I mean, I, I think he averages twelve strikeouts per nine. He is a horse. <laughs> um, and I mean. And the rest of the rotation is solid as well. I mean, I, I just think that in, in in this lineup, I think it took it took Paul Goldschmidt, obviously their star player. I, I think it took him ten games for his first home run. Um, so he was obviously in a bit of a slump. But I think, I mean, when at full strength, when healthy, I think if I think I think this team has the parts to sustain the, this run that they're on, and I think that they can definitely make some noise in the NL playoff postseason race this year. All right, we're gonna t- we're gonna hit a few more teams. And that's Houston, the Astros, World Series champions. Can't forget about them. Nine and four. Of course. Obviously, they haven't lost much, really. You know, I mean, could they do it again? Of course. Uh, I think that this is this is the favorite team this year to win the World Series again. Uh, this team is only getting better. 
they're going to get a full season out of Justin Verlander. They're going to get a full season out of out of Garrett Cole, who has showed ace potential in the past, but this season really has gone out to a great start. Uh, in that lineup, there's just no hole there. I mean, everyone can hit. We saw it. Uh, I saw it as a Red Sox fan last postseason against them. This team is just incredible. Like one through nine, it's just it's just a force to be reckoned with. And really, they're going to be scary come September, October. Yeah, and then the the last two teams who you know kind of are just hanging around a little bit. Toronto and Cleveland are both eight and five, both second in their divisions respectively. Uh, you know. What are your what are your thoughts on those guys? I, I know that Toronto usually is one of those teams that we talk about as being a good team, but not really. You know, they don't usually slip into that World Series contender. And Cleveland was one of the teams we talked about for MLB opening weekend as you know could be World Series contender, but at just eight and five, barely above five hundred. Right. I mean, it's obviously it's early, but it, it's not the the start you want when other teams are you know ten and two or ten and three. No, of course not. I mean, and I think that. The Blue Jays, I mean, playing in perhaps the toughest division in, in baseball this season. I mean, I think that they're going to be solidly a third-place team in that AL East. I think it's really over for them. Their run of, of you know, of success is, is over. Bautista's gone. Encarnacion's gone. Uh, Marcus Stroman, uh, obviously, it's the Stroh show. I'm excited to see him pitch this season. But it hasn't been the best start for him. Um, I mean, and you got Josh Johnson, who is probably not going to return next season. I think this is it for them. I mean, I think this – I mean – this season is really one last push at, per, at perhaps being a contender. I think that they're ultimately going to come up just short. Uh, but, I mean, it's it's definitely been a surprising start for them for sure. And, I mean, in, in Cleveland, I mean, I mean, this is a team that's right there with the New York or Boston or Houston in terms of World Series favorites this season. And, I mean, 8-5, and five, I mean, I, I guess, you know – I'll take it if I'm Cleveland. I'll take it. Um, it's not the best, but you could be worse. Right. I mean, Corey Kluber in his most recent start was dominant. He he looked like the Scion guy he was last year, um, and I think that he can keep that up this season. And I mean, if if you have Kluber at 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 full capacity and this lineup can keep hitting, if if Encarnacion if his age really doesn't show this season, I think that this is a team that can do it. Yeah. So uh, sticking with baseball, but we're gonna we're gonna transition a little bit. Earlier in the week, we were talking uh, about you know planning the show as we as we do all the time because we talk sports. That's what we do. Of course. Uh, and I basically said to you, you know, I remember I went to a baseball game down in Washington. I saw a Nats game. I think they played the Orioles. And by the seventh inning, it was like thirteen two. You know, the Nats had hit a grand slam. They'd hit home runs. The siren kept going off. We were all just standing up and cheering because that's what you do when the siren goes off. I assume. I mean, like that's what we were doing. Right. Uh, and I I said, you know. Do we need to talk about does baseball have a scoring problem? Like, if they scored 15 runs a game, maybe the game would be more entertaining. But now my question is, does baseball have a scoring problem? They're scoring too many runs per game. You know, I mean, like, I get what you're saying. You know, offense is more fun, really, in any sport. But I think in, in baseball, great pitching is still fun to watch as well. I mean, I mean, maybe not for you, the casual fan, or yeah. the non-fan at all. But, I mean, I just think, like, I mean, like, I'm loving the scoring that I'm seeing this season. I mean, obviously, I mean, take that first Red Sox-Yankees game on on uh, on Tuesday night, fourteen to one. That's a lot of runs. It's like, a lot of runs. Obviously, that's a good game. That's a, you know, that's a that's something you you like to see as a fan. It's right. casual. Probably you hate to see it as your coach, especially if you're the Yankees coach. You love to see it if they're the Red Sox coach. But it, it's just kind of crazy, especially with your number one pitcher on the on, on Wednesday night. Thirty teams were active, so fifteen games, and ten teams scored at least ten runs. Uh, including one team hit 16 runs. And that doesn't even count April 7th when the Phillies beat the Miami 
Marlins 20 to 1. That's a lot of scoring for a baseball game. Is this a little spin zone? Do we have steroid era part two coming up right here? Is this going to be <laughs> new, new uh, doping? I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a steroid era. Like, you know, maybe the guys are just getting better. I mean, this certainly reminds me of of 1998, the glory days of the home run ball of of Sammy Sosa of Mark McGuire. I mean, I I, I love the scoring. I love the scoring. I mean, in recent seasons, we've seen scoring decline. I mean, year by year by year. Can as, we talk? As can we talk about just this over. Why why is steroids bad for baseball? Steroids might be good for baseball. I absolutely agree with you. I I think steroids are fun. <laughs> it, it's fun. I mean, it's fun to watch people just ruin their bodies long term for the sake of hitting a couple more home well, we, runs. We we are big NFL fans, so we obviously subscribe to that. Right, of course. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, uh I don't know. I I think that if everyone has the chance to be steroided, I mean, what could I mean, I would love to see the prospect of watching people throw 110 miles an hour and then hit a ball 510 feet. I mean, like, what could be more fun than that? I so your your problem is kind of just that it's not equal opportunity steroids. Like, it's too tough to be on them. Right. I, I think it definitely takes a certain kind of alpha dog <laughs> to, like, really pound the roids, like, you day in cheat. and day out. So to cheat, by the right. way. Right. I mean, like, I mean that, that's an A-Rod-type player, you know? I mean, he used to talk about how he'd he'd be tested... I mean, he would take a gummy, he'd be tested, and and then like it'd be out of his system in time for the game or something like that. It, it was it was something crazy like that. It was like it was like crazy ways that these players were able to like beat the system and still were able to to you know experience the effects of the roids in game. Um, so I think I think it's definitely possible for that to happen. Um, I'm excited for the prospect of it, but I will take you know higher run totals for the time being. It's all about the roid rage. But uh, maybe not exactly. Yeah, just to be just right. to be clear, maybe maybe not. Right. But uh, we do want to see a lot of scoring. Uh, what would you say is going to be like? Let's put an over under for average runs in a game for regular season versus playoffs. What would you What would you say that over? Oh under God! At? I mean, it, it's got to be. If I had to say over under for regular season, I'd say seven or eight. Okay. Honestly, and postseason it's down to four or five. Really? It, it's yeah. It, it's a pretty dramatic decline when you start getting ace pitchers coming in <coughs> excuse me out of this like out of the bullpen in the sixth inning you know like your madison bumgarner types i mean it's much like it's like when you watch the mlb all-star game and the game always ends two to one or, or three to one it's because pitching good pitching almost always will be good hitting and in the postseason you really see good pitching especially coming out of that bullpen how hard is it to be a good pitcher uh, it's it's pretty hard. I mean, I I I did some pitching in my day, you know. Uh, you know, I mean, I think it's it's hard to have you know all the all the pitches, um, you know. I mean, but like, I think at the end of the day, if you're able to get you know your fastball, your curveball, your change, and like the whole arsenal working, I mean, you'll be able to beat that hitter, you know, nine times out of ten. <laughs> but uh, but I mean, I, again, good pitching trumps good hitting, but both are pretty difficult. All right, and we are back, and we're talking NBA. Let's start with the NBA postseason. Uh, we've got, sorry, sorry, we've got uh, in the West, number one seed Houston, right, taking on number eight seed Minnesota. The Timberwolves made the playoffs after 14 years. It it took long enough. I mean, it almost didn't ha- happen. I mean, if not for Jimmy Butler coming back with two games left, uh, they wouldn't be where they are right now. Yeah, honestly, I feel bad for Denver in this situation. You know, you win 46 games and you still miss the playoffs. 
I mean, how bad could it get? You know? Well, that's basically the worst situation because you've got no odds in the draft lottery and you miss the playoffs. Right. It's really the worst possible position to be in. But I think that team can— Your classic St. Louis Blues, so to speak, in the NHL. Yes, exactly. Uh, but they'll be back next year. They'll be a contender once again. But, I mean, in this series, I mean, obviously we talk about Houston and Minnesota, the teams that are, at, that are actually in. Uh, this is going to be a four-game split for for Houston. Minnesota really doesn't stand a chance, I don't think. I mean, I mean, they definitely have the star power, but Houston is is the best team in the field, in my so opinion. So you're picking Houston, and they'll face off the winner of four-seeded Oklahoma City versus five-seeded Utah Jazz. Well, I mean, assuming assuming that you don't have, I mean, who's the six seed? It's it's Portland. The, the six Por- seed is a uh, New Orleans. New or- assuming you don't have a New Orleans versus Portland upset there, which I don't think will happen. Uh, but then, yes, you will have the winner of the Utah OKC uh, series, which, I mean, like, hold on. Can we talk Russell Westbrook for a second? Of course. Perhaps the most underappreciated triple-double season ever. I mean, I mean, like, nobody even talked about it until two games left. I mean, unbelievable. Well, I think that the problem is that the way in which he got his final triple-double. Like, did, he, you, did you see his 16th rebound? He was boxing out his own team. It just like, no, 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 it, but, but the 16th rebound was literally, like, no, I don't even want to call it a no, shot. It was, it I was like just an, call it like a lob up in the air that he just like he like he caught it like it was like a, like a cake falling from the sky with like two hands or like right. he was receiving like a, a kickoff in the NFL. Like it, that's not how a basketball player rebounds. It's it, it's unbelievable how much he cares about his stats. You know, I mean, his team is only what the fifth seed. I mean, like it's better than we thought, but I, I don't know. I mean. And he did it with, like, nine minutes left in the third quarter. Like, he still had almost half the game left. He could have got 30 rebounds for a 6-3 <laughs> guard. I mean, like, like just, just totally crazy. Uh, but I don't know. But, I mean, I mean they, they, they cheat, though. They pad the stats. They back off. They he, let him box out. More than anyone else, yeah, he really does it. I mean, I mean his team really just leaks out, and, and, he, and he gets all the boards. He's got the ball 100% of the time. You know, it's hard not to average it. A triple double when you're in the position that he's in. It's kind of like the Kobe effect, so to speak, where like you know his last game, I, I think he scored 61, but he, he shot like 50 times. Yep, exactly. So Th- that happens a lot when you're a great player, like when you're when you're a good enough shooter, and they give you the ball a million times, like the stats will come. But obviously, you know, we don't want to take away from him so much because it is a remarkable achievement to do a back to back, no less. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just kind of dumbed down a little bit I think just because you know how much his stats are just being padded like he's not actually playing a genuine game so to speak he's like actually just out there for the stats like he cares more about his stats I think than winning and, well, I, th- and I think he issue. cares more about his money than winning when he knows that the stats are the way to get it that's true I mean that as well uh either way I mean yes it is a remarkable achievement it's just it was so surprising that nobody talked about it until it actually happened. Just to talk about this, though, real quick, uh, you know, with what I mentioned on the money before we move on to the next playoff matchup, is that I don't really have a problem with athletes being about the money. Obviously, I don't want it to be to, at the detriment of their team, but you know, just like anyone else, they're just people trying to market their skills for a wage, and they happen to be very va- have very valuable skills. I mean, of course, and I think like in terms of limiting earning potential, I mean, I mean, these are guys whose who, many of them are like you know. Their careers are over when they're 35, you know? I mean, yeah. like, it, like, and you still have half your life, half of your, you know, earning potential life remaining, you know, and they have to find Gone. something to do. Yeah. But, I mean, it, I mean, there's only so many broadcasting spots on TNT. It seems like they're <laughs> just packing them in every single season. There's a, there's a new ex-NBA player there. But, I mean, eventually, you know, it's, it's maxed out there. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's crazy, you know, recently, you know, with this salary cap bubble that we've been seeing. You know, you got guys like Steph Curry and James Harden making $40 million a year. That's unbelievable. It's a lot of money. That's, like, and honestly, 
And for those two guys, that's probably less than what they're making in endorsements on the side. Like it's just crazy. Like well, these are guys making like eighty to hundred million a year. Like that's soccer player money. That's Cristiano Ronaldo, Roger Federer, Tiger Woods in his prime money. It's good to be the best. That's right. that's all I'll say. It's but good to be the best. Let, let's move on here. Portland versus New Orleans. Easy eh. win for Portland. Yes. It's it's okay. I have to ask you. Is is this embarrassing for Demarcus Cousins that his team, which was around 500, I'd say when he actually got hurt, that they posted a winning record for the re- remainder of the season, had a nice long winning streak mixed in there as well, and they're now sitting at at the 60, a position that nobody expected when when Cousins got hurt. I I think it was Cousins himself who said like we had a real chance when I was healthy. Now we don't. It seems it seems to be quite the opposite at this point. That's a tough look. That is not. You know, like for sure, that's not what you want. You you want. I mean, if you're a star player, the question always is: If you're a star player and you go down, do you want your team to win without you because you're a team player, or do you want your team to lose without you because you want to show right. that you're a star player? Exactly. I think that more so in the NBA than other sports, they might be a little bit rooting for lose because they want to show how you know how good they are. But with that said, good for New Orleans. You know, like the team's trying to win. Yeah. Uh, that's got to reflect good coaching. That's got to reflect good management. There, there's, you know, obviously people are doing a good job, and also, you know, the brow. He definitely carried them. I've seen a million highlights of just, it's just the brow. It's it, like it's, New it's, Orleans it's win. It's really a one man show, and there. it's Anthony Davis. Did you know that they have Rajon Rondo? I didn't even realize that. I actually <laughs> did realize that like three days ago. I talk about washed up. I mean, it, just crazy. Well, he's in the playoffs. He's in the playoffs for sure. So, you know, I mean, the former like, Celtic playoff Rondo. He'll be back. I mean, last season, he almost single-handedly took down the Celtics in the first round until they got hurt, and then they lost four in a row. But, I mean, that's neither here nor there. Playoff Rondo will be back. Uh, I didn't even realize it until just now, but he'll be back. He'll be back. But, I mean, like, either way, I mean, these are two teams in Portland and New Orleans who really got hot in the second half. I think Portland is the more talented team. I think that they'll go through in the power of their backcourt with McCollum and, and obviously Dame Dollar Lillard. Um, um, either <laughs> Damian way, Damian Lillard is an excellent player. He's he, an excellent player. He, he maybe an even kings. maybe he, an even better rapper. If you mm-hmm. if you never heard him rap, he's really good. I haven't. He's re, he's really good. He he might be the best rapper in the NBA. Should we move on to uh, Golden State for San Antonio? Uh, do we even have to? I I think this is going to be a walkover. <laughs> I think San Antonio is the weakest team in the field on both sides. Worse. Worse than Minnesota? I think that the, I think that they're worse than Minnesota. I mean, their best player is is Lamarcus Aldridge, one of the most boring players I've ever seen. Him and his little you know shimmy you know <laughs> kind of step back mid range shot. I mean, he's a dying breed in the NBA, and he's thirty two. I don't want to see him play anymore. Like, there's no Kawhi. But, but they he have Manu. They have they have Ginobili. You know, I do love Ginobili. I I really do. You know, I mean, if they're gonna win, win for him. Basically, I mean, you have Tony Parker who's hurt. Duncan's gone. Kawhi will probably be gone at some point. Um, I don't really see that relationship lasting much longer. But I think this is going to be a four-game sweep for Golden State. I mean, right. I mean, there really isn't much left to be said about it. How about we move to the East? We'll start with Toronto-Washington. I'm hearing a lot of people pick Washington. They think that Washington is going to you know, do the upset. They think that John no. Wall's got it going on. I have to say I'm all in on Toronto. We are the North. You know? We the North. We the six, as they say. You know, <laughs> If you have Drake breathing down those players' necks on those inbound passes, I mean, I don't think Washington stands a chance. I mean, I think this is a Washington that is so wildly overrated. They're so cocky. I mean, and we, and we talk about stat padding, you know. I mean, this is a team, more than anyone else, who, who all they care about is padding stats, especially against—I mean, and they've admitted themselves that against bad teams—I mean, obviously Toronto's not a bad team, but 
I mean, against bad teams, that that's all they care about. They don't even care if they get the win because, I mean, all they care about is the stats. And I, and I, I think this is a team of a bunch of egos thrown together that is going to get blown out in that first round against Toronto. I, I think that this, that this Toronto team, uh, after this walkover in the first round, they're definitely going to have a really difficult path, perhaps one of the most difficult paths we've ever seen for a one seed uh, to advance to the NBA Finals this year. Well, we're talking about egos. We might as well hit the four seed, Cleveland, LeBron James. Oh, oh, oh I swear to God. If uh, well, I see Cleveland in the finals again this year, I might just stop watching the NBA. You, you actually told me that, like, you have no, you don't care for for Cleveland Golden State for like what is it like the millionth time? Cleveland Golden State four. Who wants to see that? I mean, <laughs> come on, nobody wants to see well, it anymore. Hold on a sec, hold on a sec. People want to see four because then tiebreaker the next year, so we can see five. That's true. I mean, uh, assuming Cleveland wins in the fourth battle here, I mean, Golden State really isn't that, isn't looking that good. I mean, what are they, fifty nine wins? And I mean, I, I can't believe I'm saying it. That's a huge underachievement for this team <laughs> this year. Uh, pr- pretty uh, pretty remarkable. I mean, obviously they like, they've been dealing with their own injuries. I mean, I think Curry's still hurt. It's all about whether he can come back strong and as good if not better than before. But I I just don't want to see Cleveland again. I hope that Indiana can beat them in the first round. Well, here's the thing. Even if Cleveland gets through, you know, it's it's pretty light. If assuming, you know, the top 4 favorites win, you know, 1 2 3 4, they're number 4. So they're going to be playing a higher seeded team again. Uh, you know, that'd be Toronto and Cleveland Toronto, you'd have to say might be close. It's definitely going to be close. And I mean, I think even looking past Toronto, you're going to be, you know, the away team against Either a a sixteen win consecutively Philadelphia seventy sixers team, or you know a Boston Celtics team that is incredibly depleted yet has somehow because they have the best coach in the NBA along with all this young talent somehow managed to win fifty five games. I, I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, let's let's talk about uh, Philadelphia. They pl- they play Miami in the first round. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Wade is back. Mm-hmm. We talked about that before. I love it. Yeah, he is back. Vice City. They've got that going for them. Wade County. Yeah. So cool cool jerseys. Yeah. So are the Philadelphia 76ers, after all their years of trusting the process, legitimate contenders for the NBA Finals? The Not process- necessarily the trophy, but but they could. You could see a path where they make it to the finals. The process. Has been trusted. The process is real. We're going to see masked Joel Embiid looking like Batman out there on that court <laughs> with that black mask that he's been wearing. Uh, we're going to have Ben Simmons with his lack of a jump shot. Uh, I mean, J.J. Redick with in, in, in uh, Covington with the, with the three-point shooting. Markel I think that, Fultz is back as well, I'm not mistaken. I almost forgot. Markel Fultz. I mean, a guy who couldn't shoot back in October. I mean, like... I think I think you were a better shooter than Markel Fultz back in October, probably. Uh, <laughs> that's that's saying a lot. Judging by how bad those those videos looked, it was definitely a scary sight for the 76ers brass who drafted him first overall. But I mean, I I, I hope that Markel Fultz doesn't succeed because then it looks worse and worse for the Celtics. Because like <laughs> this is a Celtics team that you know like they were sitting high and high and mighty with. With a Markel Fultz having been traded away, I mean, essentially with a number one pick having been traded. Yeah. Uh, a guy with the yips, and you have Jason Tatum. I love Jason Tatum. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, I think the Celtics might live to regret trading the pick if Markel Fultz proves to be the superstar that everyone thought he would be. Well, we, so, we, so we do have to talk about our last playoff, mat, playoff matchup for the first round, which is Boston-Milwaukee. And Milwaukee's a good team. I think that this is going to be the closest first-round series in the East. I think that, you know, I mean, I think... Milwaukee and the Celtics split their um, 
their season series this year. I think it was 2-2, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think Milwaukee was the last loss before the Celtics went on that crazy 16-game win streak um, at the outside of the season. Um, but, I mean, yeah, this is a Milwaukee team that, like, I mean, they have a new coach. They obviously have Giannis Antetokounmpo, if I'm, if I'm saying that correctly. I usually do. Yeah, um, that was pretty good. I, I really butchered it on our last show. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it really is a one-man show there. I mean, obviously, like, they've been loving the addition of Eric Blazo at the point guard slot. They've been missing a true point guard for the past few seasons. And, I mean, you have Chris Middleton. you got John Henson. you got some talent there, but... Can they survive on the defensive end of the ball? I I I just don't I just don't know. Well, they 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 won't be facing Kyrie, who's finishing with any hand from right. anywhere inside of the three point range. So right. that you know that makes the defensive job significantly easier. Of course, and I, and I think you know I mean, and we've seen a Jalen Brown who has really emerged in the absence of Smart and Kyrie, and Rozier when he's played has really taken advantage of his increased minutes. Uh, and and you know Marcus Morris as well has really been proving his his worth as a new as a newcomer this season. Uh, Al Horford, uh, I've been disappointed with his second half regression. I think that I think that regardless how it ends up, I think that this is going to be an incredibly close series, six to seven games. I honestly couldn't even pick a winner right now. I'm going to go with the Celtics because I'm biased and because they're the two <laughs> seed and they earned where they are now, even with Kyrie out for much of the season. Uh, I'm sticking to it, but. Even if they do win, they're not getting past the second round. Uh, I, I'd say that's a pretty accurate analysis. I, I would also have to pick the Celtics for this. We are going to move on from the playoffs, but just after this, I want to hear basically your pick for non-major you know, major favorites. So I'm talking no Houston, no Golden State, no Toronto, uh, and let's say no Boston. Who's, who's the best team of what's left? Ooh, that's a tough one. I might have to go... I mean, I think that this Oklahoma City team is a scary team. I mean, I think that, you know, they have a lot of star power. They have a lot of playoff experience. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's a couple egos kind of thrown together, as I said, with this. It's it's really, it's the Washington of the West, basically. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, I mean, the potential that this team has, they can really beat anyone. I think they beat Golden State twice this year. Uh, I think they beat Houston a couple times. Uh, this is a team that, you know, if they get hot at the right time, they can really make some moves. And perhaps, I know it's a long shot, but that's what we're going for here, the long shot teams. I think that this is a team that can make the NBA Finals this year. I am going to take, you know, I was tempted to take uh, Philadelphia, but I, I honestly think that that might be cheating a little bit because they're like, they're close to that, you know, almost a lock necessarily. Right. So I'm going to take Portland. Okay. Damian Lillard, he's taken down some Kings. They beat Golden State. I believe they beat San Antonio. You know, they've beaten all the big teams. Uh, and, you know, I believe in them. You know, the, the way they play basketball uh, and the things they've got going for them, if, if you know, if something happens to Golden State, maybe not all their players come back, they don't perform at their highest level, uh, I, I think that Portland maybe maybe has a chance. I, I definitely agree with you there. I think that, you know, I, I actually saw Portland in person this season. I saw them play Boston in Boston. Uh, Al Horford hit a buzzer beater. To win the game, it was it was incredible, and and back then Portland was only a 500 team, and I, and I think after that loss, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think they won maybe 15 in a row, and it seems crazy because there's been so many double digit winning streaks this year. I mean, I mean obviously we have Philadelphia now, we had Boston at the beginning of the season, we had Portland and Utah in the middle, Houston had a had a crazy run or two. Uh, I mean it's it's crazy. I mean I mean this is a team that's been really hot in the second half. Uh, if if they can continue that in the postseason and get past New Orleans, I think that I think that they have the potential with their backcourt 
to make a deep run. Well, winning streaks will make you feel really good. And the other thing that's going to make you feel really good is this Andre Ingram story. 32 years old, technically a rookie. Uh, he dropped 19 points at his staple in the Staples Center. He played more than 10 years in the D League. And he's he's got a physics degree from American University. He tutors calculus in the summer. Yeah. Here's, some, here's some stats I bet you don't know. Second most... Uh, Sorry, he has a second most D-League games played in history, and he's first in threes and fifth in scoring in D-League history. So right. he's an accomplished player in his own right. Unbelievable. This is the story of the season in the NBA. And it comes right at the end of the season. I mean, I mean, like, he was saying how, like, and I mean, if you watch the video, it's pretty incredible. I think, you know, I mean, like, it's it was like... He's he's going for his, for his exit interview for the season, uh, f- for the D League team of the Lakers, and then he sees Rob Palinka and Magic Johnson come in the room, and he's like, "Whoa, something's big's about to happen here," you know. It, and it was, and I mean, he really he, he really took advantage of he, his, of he's his shown moment on his bright on the brightest stage you can. Right, exactly. I mean, and it was against Houston. You know, people were watching. It was a nationally televised game, and he dropped 19 points in like 30 minutes. It was it was incredible. I mean, he's got a f- funky looking shot. I, I I really I just don't get what's going on there. I mean, he has he has these legs spread apart, but it goes in. He's the he's here's the, my question though, which is that how do you become you know he's a I said that he's first in three point scoring in D league history. You think that's just a function of time? Like you know how does he not get his shot before this? I mean, I think he I think he he shot like forty three percent for his career, and I mean it, it's funny. Like I mean, and the announcers were saying like like as it was happening, they were like, where was this guy on this Lakers team this year? I mean like. 19 points isn't anything to to sneeze at, especially against a dominant Houston team. I mean, I mean obviously, they weren't playing all their best players, but still, I mean, this is a Lakers team that won, what, 35 games this year? Yeah, but year? even if he was co- contributing, like, on average, you know, only 12 or 15, that could still help the Lakers. Right, exactly. I mean, I mean, and obviously, I mean, he came back out in the second game, wasn't the night that he would have wanted, but he will forever to be able to tell both the kids he tutors in math and his own children that he came out for the Lakers and got 19 points in his debut. I mean, that's unbelievable. Well, from about as good as it gets for Andre Ingram to about as bad as it gets, what are you doing, man, Tristan Thompson? Oh, what a scumbag. Oh, my God. I mean, your girlfriend, I mean, I get it's the Kardashians. Like, she's literally about to go into labor, and you're off clubbing and getting with other women. Well, like, do you, I have to ask you, do you think it's even true? I think this is just Chris Jenner putting all this out there, just to increase the brand a little bit, you know, to garner some sympathy for the Kardashian crew. It, it should be said, if this were someone else, I would be surprised. But, I mean, this is the Kardashians. But, you know, I have to say, like, pics don't lie, so to speak. And, you know, I've seen, you know, we, we've seen the videos of, of him in various clubs that people have taken but maybe they're staged a little bit. Maybe they're a little. Staged. How do we know this actually happened this week? That's maybe it was a point. couple of years ago. Well, my other, my other question would be, you know, I saw reports that Tristan Thompson was in the delivery room yeah. for the delivery of his oh, baby, oh. and I have to say, like, if I were that, you know, a pregnant woman going into labor, and and my uh, like boyfriend came back and was like, all right, babe, like we're gonna have this baby, and all this had been going on in the news, I'd be like. Maybe I'm going to do this one alone. That might right. be my thought. Right. So, yeah, it was definitely in one of the most awkward deliveries ever. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just can't I just can't imagine her sitting in that sad city of Cleveland alone <laughs> while while her boyfriend is off. Especially cuz she's like, you know, she's an LA guy, girl. Right. You know? and the other thing I want to talk about is definitely that, a downgrade. What what is what is that feeling like 
you know, for the doctors, because the doctors aren't stupid. You know, they read the news, I'm right, sure. Right. So what is that feeling for the doctors when they're like, oh, my God, this is so weird? It's a don't ask, don't tell kind of place there. It's just like kind of just I, I don't know. It's definitely it was it was definitely awkward for everyone involved, especially when he showed up, because <laughs> I mean, I mean. And they're in Cleveland, so everyone knows who, who Tristan Thompson is. He's an he's an NBA champion, you know. I mean, I mean he's ed- a good player, as a pro, you know. Right. That's the thing. This is what I've always wondered when it comes to sports, which is that you know, why do great players just go around and kind of mess things up in this way? It be you know, be the other guys don't get into this kind of trouble. And if you you know, like if, if they had the great kind of skill, it it would be like you know such a such an easier easier time for them. You know, right. just running around getting into this kind of trouble. Just you know, denigrates everything that you you bring to the team to bring to the uh, you know bring to the floor if you're a basketball player, for example. Because you know, at his best, like Tristan Thompson really contributes. He contributes in the NA, he, NBA he Finals. He contributes all the way through the playoffs. And it's, you know, it then seems he has like to go do this. It seems like every time the Cavaliers play the Celtics, he dominates the offensive glass, and that's really what he's been known for. He really dominates the boards, and I mean, he he is a contributor. But like, how do his teammates? look him in the eye anymore you know i mean like it's just like like what a what a total scumbag well it has to be says like i I honestly think of tristan thompson as like a counterpart to andre Iguodala, like on the you know from like golden state to cleveland i think they they you know not necessarily in the way they play but just in in kind of the the role they have for their team which is that they don't play every minute of every game but they're very effective in their time right of course i mean he's definitely established himself as a solid even more than just a role player. I mean, he, I mean, he's been in the starting lineup. He's been kind of in and out. But I mean, when he comes in, he's definitely really taken advantage. But I mean, this isn't really about his individual play on the court. This is about his character. And I mean, it's serious. Clearly, there are some serious red flags. And I, I can't believe that we're going to end this show talking about the Kardashians. But I guess that's how sports go sometimes. <laughs> it's unpredictable. Yeah, they mix and they match. And that's going to do it for this week's uh, edition of the Kyle and Kasanoff Show. Make sure you tune in next Saturday at 11 a.m. We'll be, we'll, we, where we will be back live. Uh, you can also catch up in podcast form. Search Kyle and Kasanoff Show on Apple. Thanks, everyone. Take care.